0: Everyday life issues broken down to help you build your own opinions on the issues that matter most. Coming to you from Austin, Texas, this is The Deciding Factor with your host, Alton Hill and John Herzog. Hey
1: everyone, I'm John. I'm Alton And we are doing The Deciding Factor. So if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, We've got video now and we're doing audio. And uh, now you can see Alton's face since we couldn't get it working last time. So beautiful. (laughs) But uh, today's topic is actually going to be negotiations. Uh, I am not an expert in it. I've done some of it, especially dealing with job-related negotiations. But uh, I guess I'm going to lean on Alton to give me a little more of his insight and then um also I, I looked up a guy that is a negotiation expert so uh we will go over what he says and uh but you're hobbling around over there Alton what's going on there
2: yeah so um <clears throat> i strained my calf muscle a little bit and uh and then i thought it was better and then, so I pretended like it was better, but it turns out it wasn't, so I actually like re-injured it again and um <clears throat> it's uh it's actually much more painful now than it was the first time that I did it. but I thought since we had a podcast and I've been icing my foot, I've got an ice chest full of uh full of ice water actually,
1: and uh i'm gonna I that- thought you were really thirsty to begin with. <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: It can't get hot here in this room, but yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot in this ice chest here, and it's really cold. Oh, so we'll see how long I can uh, keep my foot in there. But Dude. you went to
1: the chiropractor, and yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. hurt you more, yeah.
2: right? No, it was actually really good. I thought, what is this chiropractor going to be able to do with my foot? But I went in there, and it was really stiff, and um, man, felt so much better after after i went in there he like to use this funny little gun that kind of like it's like you, you push a button and it loads a spring and then it pops and so it like sends some crazy frequencies and anyway it was i mean obviously it wasn't better after i got off the table but it was much more uh like i could move it a lot better so i could actually hobble around but yeah this water's cold but I'm going to focus. Yes. (laughs) A negotiation. I think for me, uh, I'm not going to call myself an expert, but I think a lot of people just don't even think about it. And so really, you know, for me on this topic, I just wanted to bring some awareness to it and some little things that you can do to be aware and to utilize because it's just like our whole podcast, right, John? We're talking about decisions and making decisions, and you have to make a decision. We're all in negotiations all the time, whether we want to call it that or not. It may not be a um, hostage situation, right? But I have four daughters that I'm constantly having to negotiate with, right? And I have to
1: negotiate with you all the time just to get you to be on the show on time.
2: <laughs> it's true, right? So, So we're all in these positions, and I think if we just take a little bit of a little bit more thought can definitely give you, give you the upper hand or at least, you know, better position to start from. So
1: nice. So, so I guess let me start with a story that I have for negotiation. Uh, I can't use names or tell you who this person is, but somebody I know very closely uh, they, they had a job or they currently had a job and they were offered a new job with another, another company. And, you know they they gave they gave them the offer mm-hmm. and the offer was only like 3 grand more okay and keep in mind this person's not in jeopardy of losing their job sure um and everything's great so there's there's no need to so it, it would be pr- purely for either the benefits or uh increase in salary yeah or maybe maybe a little uh more funner job funner it's not a word but yeah
2: Well, we're from Texas, so, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, but anywho, so, so this person, you know, I tell them about it because they told, they told me about the, the offer, and so I started to talk to them about it and saying, you know, what's the pros, what's the cons, and everything was good, and then all of a sudden, it was like the benefits, the benefits were going to cost them, you know, $2,000 a month for their, their family, and that's ridiculous because they've got a full-time job that they can get benefits for. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you're only getting a $3,000 increase. Well, based on what this person was already making, I said, anytime you go to a job, it's always been taught to me. And it's something I always share with any of my friends or family is always go for at least a 10% increase. Otherwise stay where you're at. And part of that thing is because you have the upper hand. If they want you they'll pay for you to get there. So unfortunately this person didn't listen to me. They ended up just accepting the offer. They took the uh, three grand increase and they were perfectly fine, but they didn't even ask Yeah,
2: the question. So like, why do you think that is? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I've had these same conversations where people, you know, just friends, colleagues, associates, whatever. Say, oh yeah, I'm going to get this new job. And I'm like, ask him for a lot of money. And they're like, well, like, like they're offended that I suggested it even. And I'm like, what did they say? No. But then, I mean, I don't know. Why do you think that this person, uh, you know, didn't want to ask for more? Why, why do you think that is?
1: Well, some people have this non-confrontational characteristic mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so even just asking a simple question, like that stresses them out and they can't handle it. (laughs) But I'm like, all you have to do is just say, Hey, it makes no sense for me to just take this kind of an offer. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And then to top it all off in the end, this person had to then decline the offer and stick with their normal job because they couldn't get over the health insurance benefit.
2: Right. It just wasn't a, wasn't a good offer. Right. Right.
1: So, I mean, there's other ways that I think they could have figured out the, the health insurance issue, but still $3,000 to move to a job. And on top of this, this person said that the job that they were going to go to, they would have to use their head a whole lot more. Whereas the job they have currently, man, they can, you know, sleep through half their work and still, (laughs) still be awesome at their job. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that that's maybe the first thing that we should point out. Like, ask, ask for what you want. You know, like if, if you say the word negotiation, I think people are thinking that there's like this back and forth, but I think a lot of us, uh, don't even start there, right? It's just like, oh, that's what you offered me. Okay. You know, where is, I mean, you're not, (laughs) it's like, you're not even in the game, you know, the game's fixing to start and you just, you just back out, which is not going to serve you. Now, in the case of a job, which I think that that's probably the most applicable to everyone and what they're thinking is like, oh, I want to negotiate a a larger salary, better benefits. Um, That's where we think of it a lot. And I think when I've approached, you know, like the W-2 employee type thing, um, I always felt like that was the only time, not the only, but that's the best time to be the most efficient with your pay raise. Like you mentioned, and I've heard that same thing, uh, 10%, you know, don't, don't go, don't make a move for less than 10%, which I think is, is reasonable. Um, But I think depending on, on what you're doing, when you make that switch, that's the time where you can get the 10% where ask your current employer, Hey, I need a 10% bump. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. right they're like mm, now nah, maybe maybe i mean i've literally got less than half a half a percent bump you know like in a meeting where they're reviewing your performance and oh performance is great and we love you out and then here's 30 more cents an hour and i'm just like really yeah. Yeah. like why did we even do this you just wasted all of our times right and so that in that moment you don't really have a lot like, what am I, I'm going to, no, I need you to, I'm asking for 35 cents an hour increase, right? It's like, you. that's not the time. So when you're in that, getting a new job, if you don't ask, you're leaving so much money on the table, I think. <laughs> and I see it time yep. and time again. It's like you said, they don't even ask. And it's like.
1: But But here's the problem. So that same person, all they had to do was ask the question, but they didn't think about the other side you know so like what do you mean so if i'm that hiring manager Mm -hmm. i'm thinking i told them the ranges x to x yeah and i chose the bottom part of that and uh that's what i offered her so now what you know the the manager themselves are going to start as low as they can why would they want to pay you the max Oh, for sure. For sure. Unless they thought that you were going to get scared off. But they asked that the person asked the question to the hiring manager and the hiring manager now has to determine how bad do I really want this person? Mm-hmm. Like, she, they might walk away. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So they have a lot more to lose. I have this person that I really want that I sought out that has a job. Yeah. What? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, I think that that's great because so I want to talk about uh, two instances where I feel like I really um, succeeded in this job career negotiation. Um, in both scenarios, I was employed. So when you're employed, I think that definitely gives you an upper hand in the uh, the job situation. Um, and you know, I read up. I uh, <clears throat> I've read a few books on on negotiating and just how to, you know, influence, right. we famous book, how to win friends and influence people. Was it the Trump one? I have read the art of the deal and that's, it's a great, it's a great book. Um, he, I think that's less about negotiation more about, uh, planning and understand. I mean, these, the deals that he put together are just incredible, but definitely, definitely a great book. Um, but there's there's other books out there and, and podcasts you can listen to. And, and um, you know, when I've gone into these two stories that I'll share, um, one of the things that they said, like, you need to have a number that you want and you need to be confident in that number and it should not be even. So I remember one time uh, I think I was making like under 50K and I was going to make a move and I'm like, man, I want a lot more money. <laughs> and so I I picked this number, uh, seventy one thousand five hundred. That was my number, and uh, and it was an odd number because I had calculated that that was what I needed to make the move from this other job. Um, to be clear, I think I was being underpaid in the first job, and uh, and that company was like going down. So really, I wanted this other job, and I got this offer. And uh, and the way these guys did it, they were like. Um, you know we can only offer you like sixty at at the most, and I was like, I need seventy one five, and they were like, <laughs> Okay, bye,
0: <laughs> and they were like,
2: That's a lot, you know, that's way more than we were planning on paying for this position. Okay, good, right? It's fine. Like now, I feel like I'm in the right spot, and. Now we have to figure out, well, how do we get that? So you got somebody who's sticker shock with the price. Roger that. But to your point, John, he wants something, right? What does he want? And that is, to me, the key to the negotiation, right? Is understanding what do they want and what do I have to give them? And then what, how am I articulating that? So, so in this place... I was uh, interviewing for like some optical technician or something, which is, it's not like a common thing. And, uh, and so <laughs> I'm like, I went down the list of qualifications that I had where that you're just not going to find these qualifications for what I had for, it was the perfect fit And they were going to have to make a lot of concessions if they just hired a bunch of other people. I mean, I was the perfect candidate for this. And and he was being pressured by his bosses to get something done. Right. So they're having to fill this position. So he's in a bind that he has to produce results. It's a new company. It's a startup. It's growing. And it turns out later I learned that this guy was on his way out. Like after a couple months after I joined, he he's gone. You know, so I didn't know that at the time, but we never know that. Right. So I said, look, this is what you need. And I reminded him of this and I explained to him how I was going to make his life so much better. And it wasn't going to be cheap, but it was going to solve the problem that he was trying to solve. Right. And uh, anyway, so they ended up giving me the job. It's like they didn't even interview anybody else.
1: But what were you thinking during that whole time? Were you worried about, hey, they're not going to take me and. I'm going to be stuck here or end up unemployed. Like what, what was going through your head? So
2: like one of the things that I learned is like, when you're negotiating, you can't sheepishly declare what you want. Like, well, I was kind of hoping that, you know, I went in there and I was like, look, I'm at a job. I'm happy. If you want me to drive further, if you want me to work longer, this is a startup. So I know how startups work. You're going to ask for overtime. Not like I need, this, this is going to make it happen. And in exchange for that, these are all the things that you're going to get. And so you have to come in there really confident. And for me, I'm fine with him saying, dude, I don't know who you think you are, but that's way too much money. And then I say, well, what do you think is not too much? And maybe we can start there. Um, one job I had, I told him that I wanted a lot of money and they were like, you are way underqualified for this. And I said, that's cool, but I'm a quick study. So how about this? I take a huge pay cut and you sign a paper that says in six months, you give me what I asked for because I'll be worth it. And so I took this like tiny pay cut. Well, I mean, I actually took a pay cut to make this move, but then in six months they gave me, it was like, I don't know, 1500 or $2,000 a month
1: bump. You were so, that confident in yourself?
2: Yeah, man, every job you have to learn what to do you know, and, uh, and I've always been like trying to over deliver and I'm not afraid to work hard. So it's like whatever you need me to do, I'm going to figure it out. And that's like a skill set that I know that I have is to, to figure things out, but you have to have the confidence and you have to take a little bit of risk. But if you do, I think it's been rewarded. And every time I've told someone a crazy, um, number, it's just always, always worked for me. Once I get in there and do the interview and ask, um, yeah, actually, it, I had forgotten about that first start startup that I negotiated that salary. But yeah, my, my salary doubled and then almost it quadrupled from the original one that I started within a year because I took that risk. So for me, it was great. Um, and then that optical tech position uh, slayed that one. That one was great. And I even got more raises after that. Then this other company called me, tried to hire me away. And I told them it was like, hundred K or just something insane that I didn't even think that they were going to take. I was like, there's no way they're going to pay me this. And, uh, they're like, man, Alton, this is kind of ridiculous. And, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, like, look at the qualifications, I'm going to kill this job, you know, like, here's all the reasons why I'm worth it. And I was willing to look at that and know what he wanted Right. Because again, that's what it's all about. What do you want? What do you need? How can I sell you the idea that I'm, you know, I'm it. I'm your Prince Charming. I'm the one you've been waiting for. Then the price doesn't really matter as much. I think,
1: you know, talking about all these job interviews and things like that makes me think about the one question that I've asked and several other HR people always ask is, well, why do you want this job? <laughs> the The incorrect answer is because I need a job. Duh. Show me the money, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny that you know that's one of the questions. The other questions they do t- tend to ask is more geared towards this negotiation, which is what? what What salary range do you are you looking for? Or they'll ask you, Well, what do you currently make? Oh yeah, what oh, do you currently now? Make? I I would never answer that. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah. I'm not going to discuss any pay uh, history between me and any employer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I think but it is tricky, point. the whole, you know, what's the range? Because it depends on, I guess, how desperate you are to get out, right?
2: Yeah, I have he- heard that before where they really just wrenched me and I really wanted the job and I told them what I made. And I regret doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, because you put all the cards on the deck, so now they know what to play with, right?
2: Yeah. And that was that was a hard lesson, but I learned it. And um, <laughs>
1: It's yeah. tough. I mean, doing interviews uh, at times can be stressful, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the stress tactic that some of the recruiters will do. And, oh, man, I end up laughing more than anything because I know what they're doing. Sure. And... I, I screw up that interview because number one, I don't care for anybody that's going to interview like that, but you know, I'm laughing and they're, well, Lord, why are you laughing? What makes this so funny? Oh, just because I know what you're doing right now. And it's not really my style.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think another tactic just while we're on the job interview subject is
1: that. Yes. Blow that uh, burp. <laughs> that <mic>. I've,
2: <laughs> I've sat around like a lot of, long tables, you know, where you're just getting grilled in these interviews. And I think that's like what you're talking about, the stress. And and then I, when I, like my little coping mechanism is I look at all of these people and I think I already have this job. These people are going to be my friends. And so I'm like breaking down their personality and imagining that we're already friends. And now this is kind of a game, <laughs> right? Because if you get the job, that's what yeah. happens, yep. right? And you're going to look back and be like, oh man, this guy, he interviews really well. Oh, this guy, he's kind of a jerk. But this guy, like, he's over at my house having barbecue. And for me, that always kind of, okay, I can talk to these guys because they're, like, my future friends now. And if they're not, who cares anyway, right? I mean, it's a good tactic, yeah. I think. Um, but I think a lot of it goes back to knowing what you want, having the confidence to kind of walk in there and know your worth or at least fake it. Like, can you not fake some some confidence? <laughs> Uh, you know, for whatever the interview four hours or, you know, whatever the interview period is, can you not just pretend for a little bit, um, and see where it gets you. And that's what I would challenge people. Like if, especially now, right? Like a lot of people are, are out of work right now, maybe looking, um, you know, if you don't have a job that definitely hurts, but you can still have confidence that you're an awesome human and that you're worth something and, uh, and see, see if the market, you know, will will take it.
1: So what was your other one? You you had one that was not job related, right?
2: Selling um, mean, a car like, or something, yeah,
1: right. It's wrecking your bike again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, negotiating when when you're purchasing things. Um, I've also found, and why I wanted to talk about this, you know, like I mentioned with the the job interviews. So when I bought, I bought a house. I think it was. I don't know, maybe my, one of the houses that I bought, I actually, number one, if you just go and get, like, go to Wells Fargo to try to get a mortgage, they're just going to give you that, right? So I always, and I think we've said it on the podcast too, like, go find a mortgage broker, they can source multiple lenders, and they're going to give you the best rate, right? Like, they're getting paid on commission, it's not somebody that's just sitting there hourly, you know, like, reading, oh, check, check, X, right? So you get, uh, a better deal with a mortgage broker. Well, <laughs> maybe it was when I bought this house. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. I always talk to more than one mortgage broker. And, um, and so I found, I forget when it was, uh, but this was kind of like an aha moment for me. So I had two mortgage brokers competing for my, my business. And I told them, I'm like, look, I'm shopping around. I want the best deal right? It may not be the best price, but I want the best package that you can offer me. So bring me something that's coming to the table because I'm, I'm getting offers. So don't bring me something that isn't your best because if someone beats you, I'm not interested in negotiating with you after that. Cause you really didn't give me your best after I, I called you on it. You know, like I don't have time to go do this back and forth. So I have these mortgage brokers coming up with some stuff. And, um, you know, the first one I got in and I, I sent it, I'm like, Hey, this is what this other person sent me. Can you meet it or beat it? If not, that's cool. But you know, thanks. And, um, and he, he called me back and he's like, Hey man, I, I got their offer. And, um, you know, I, I can do this, this and this, and we can probably beat that offer by at least two grand out of pocket. Wow. And that was like a, a, a 20 minute, conversation and i said man i just made you know a thousand a couple thousand i don't remember the specific but it was thousand it was over a thousand dollars that i felt like i made and that's a, just because honest, you asked on a there 20, was nothing else to it just a 20 minute phone call i was 100 percent honest i said this is a competition for my business you know it was probably 150 thousand dollar loan or something and um And I, if I remember correctly, I ended up having to come to the table with $1,200 to close everything. Like that was all of it, which oftentimes, um, I mean, I've seen like three grand in closing costs is not out of the question for those types of, of deals. And I don't know how he came up with it, but it, (laughs) it worked. And I thought, oh man, I just asked a couple of questions and I made a couple grand in 20 minutes. Like that is the right hourly rate to get, you know, and they had good interest rates and good amortization. All that stuff was, was great. Um, and so that's, I guess, a little bit different. Like you don't know what they want. They just want the business. And now you're just kind of fishing to see mm-hmm. who's hungry, you know, because you can get a mortgage loan from 500 different people. And
1: well, and you can go back and listen to our financial uh, planning podcast with yeah. Jeremiah Pazana and you can contact one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And they can mm-hmm. also help you with ideas such as what you just talked yeah. about yep. or even give you those contacts.
2: Right. Right. People that have already proven. And that's another thing that when I got these guys, they were recommended. Um, one I had used before and that was the guy that had told him, "I'm like, bring me your best deal because I'm shopping and I love you and you're great. But if you don't bring me the best deal, then I'm not I'm just not going to use you. And so he gave me a deal that was not that good. And then he's like, "Hey, well, we can do." And I'm like, "No, dude. Like, hmm. you kind of broke my trust, or at least not really broke my trust, but I, I set, <laughs> I, I set the rules, and you didn't play by them. So I'm not interested in, you know, um, doing business with you. Hmm. Right? When someone else is like, "No, this is what it is. I'm shooting you straight. I can't go any lower. This is it." So.
1: Well, I remember, you know, back in the day in economics in high school, right? They they always talked about um the the car buying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They always said, hey, pick five car dealerships. Yep. Make sure you don't call them. <laughs> they want you they they say fax it. And that was way back in the day. Sorry that I just aged myself. But Was that with your pager or you <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a pager back in the day and I never got one. <laughs>
2: Well, you could probably, I don't know, check eBay, man. Maybe you can still get one. (laughs) Just carry the... Man, some days I think I'd prefer a pager. Less people contacting me. It's like, Uh oh, I'll page them. Just another way for you to ignore my text. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, so they they would say, you know, send out this fax to five companies. Describe exactly what you want on it. Mm -hmm. What's your best price? Make sure it's your best price because I'm going to eliminate a few dealers based on this. Meanwhile, while you're waiting on the responses, you go to one of the other places you don't care about and you test drive the vehicle. You mm-hmm. go in, you test drive it and you walk out and leave and be done with it. No information exchanged. So anywho, after you get, get all those, uh, faxes back, you find out who offers the better ones and you knock it down to the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ignore everybody else. Those two, you say, Hey, I've been offered this. Can you beat this? And you send it to both of them. And then you take it from there. Yeah. But I've had other people that have told me that they've gotten much better deals than I've ever seen or heard of. Cause that tactic never worked for me, but mm. that's what the economics teacher in high school told me. So I mean, it's I guess I, I suck at negotiations when it comes to that.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's definitely better than no tactic for sure. Um, and I think just like, uh, having a name for this negotiation, right. And thinking about it like a game. One of the awesome times that I had was I was, you know, we talked about side hustle. One of my side hustles was, uh, flipping cars and, uh,
1: like with a forklift
2: or (laughs) no, but that, (laughs) I don't know that, that could be fun. Um, no, you know, just like finding these cars that are pretty beat up. And, and at the time it wasn't like I was, you know, buying Corvettes and flipping them. Right. But just finding these cars that were around a thousand bucks, checking them out, you know, seeing if there was some little things that I could fix and, and, uh, and then sell. Um, and I liked driving different cars too. So, you know, for me to just own a car for a little bit was fun. And I remember that, uh, there was an Acura RL. And the guy wanted like 1700 bucks. And I told my buddy who is, he's a, he's a business guy and he loves negotiation. He's like, Hey man, what else are we going to do on a Saturday? Let's just go, let's just go negotiate with this guy and see, uh, you know, see what we can get him to sell it for. So I show up, it's an old car, I think like 200,000 miles, but the interior was good. And I'm like, all right. So I'm looking underneath it and it's leaking coolant, you know, like right now. And I'm like, nah, that's not a good sign. If a car's leaking coolant, you you know that it's leaking. And if a car runs out of coolant, it overheats, warps the head, toast engine. Not good for a car flipper, right? Now, I'm either having to sell a car that's busted or uh, you just don't know, right? So, But a car, you can almost call any junkyard and get them to come pick up a car for 400 bucks, just because any junkyard can, can part it out for at least that, right? So that's kind of three to 400 bucks is a, is a good deal. So we go, I see that it's leaking and I know this is a business for me. I don't care about your car. And I know that this guy's got to sell it though, right? Like he's hungry to sell it or he wouldn't have it up for sale. <laughs> so when I realize and point out that it's leaking, he claims that he doesn't know. So I'm like, okay, dude, your car's leaking. I'm not really interested. And he's like, well, it's leaking, but I didn't know. And it just started. And I'm like, yeah, mm, sure. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and so me and my buddy, I'm like, dude, this is, this isn't going to work. I'm like, let's just go right in front of the guy. And the guy said, well, just, I mean, what would you give me for it? And I was like, man, I don't want to give you anything for it. It's leaking. It's probably busted. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, listen to it run. And I'm like, okay. you know, it's not blowing smoke. And, uh, like, look, man, I'm not going to give you over 800 bucks for this car. And he's like, oh dude. And I'm like, look, man, it's just too much risk for me. So we get back in the car and my buddy's like, he, he's, he's not going to let us go. He's going to call. And so we're like starting to pull out of the parking lot and I get a call from the guy. He's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And, uh, anyway, I picked up that car for 800 bucks and, uh, which it was a pretty good car. You know, I drove it quite a bit. And, um, but, but the, the art of the negotiation was like, if you can find an issue with something, then that kind of gives you an upper hand if they're, if they're motivated to sell. And I know when you're selling a car, cause I've been guilty, like, what's the wife in there saying, like, you need to get that out of my driveway. That's, you know, right. Like, you know, that these things are happening (laughs) and, uh, so you can, you can play on that cause you know what they want. And, uh, and if you kind of make a game out of it, then it just makes it a lot more fun. And then when you win, you win, and uh if you don't, then what did it cost you? you know it cost me a drive and and some hangout time with my buddy
1: yeah, so I ended up looking up before before we did the show uh, I ended up looking up a guy that's a negotiation- a- expert mm-hmm. his name is ed bardo it's b r o d o w and he actually lists uh some of the the best secrets. Two, mm-hmm. and, and he gives more details about them, but uh, starts out number one. Don't be afraid to ask what you want for what you want. Uh, sh- then shut up and listen. Do your homework. Always be willing to walk away. Mm-hmm. Do not be in a hurry. Yep. Aim high and expect the best outcome. Focus on, other si- on the other side's pressure, not yours. Mm-hmm. Show the other person how their needs will be met. Yeah. You talked about that. Yeah. Don't give anything away without getting something in return. And the number 10 was don't take the issues or the other person's behavior personally. For sure. So uh, we actually ended up covering pretty much all of these in, in all the examples we, we gave, except for probably the homework part. Yeah. You know that, to me, you know finding out the the needs and wants of that employer that you talked about before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that w- that would fall under homework, right? Oh, but yeah. yeah, for sure. But it's definitely something you should know ahead of time, mm-hmm. and that can be part of those questions you ask in advance when you start that interview. Yeah. Why is this position available?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, you just had a big turnover. Yeah. Oh, this person's pregnant. What, yeah. Whatever it may be.
2: Last guy quit because he had a terrible boss. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. I think that's another uh, huge benefit to, to online. I'll, I'll share one other story about some car negotiations because I just love car negotiating. I mean, to me, it's, I love cars and I love negotiating. So when I'm negotiating to buy a car, it's, just like, it's a fun thing for me. And I do my homework, right? So I'll go. So this last car that I bought was a, a Land Rover. And, uh, it was at an infinity dealership and I'd been looking for the car that I wanted. I knew what the prices were. And when I saw this car, I knew that already it was a good value. And so I know that a car dealer wants you to go and drive the car. Cause you got some passion, crazy guys who, once I drive it, I'm like, I got to have this thing. So I know that. And I'm like, I'm not coming in. So I'm emailing these guys. Like, I like this car. Um, I want to negotiate the price up front because I don't want to go in there and spend all day and sitting there and then being like, Oh, I don't want to spend another Saturday sitting in a dealership. I'll pay you whatever you want. So I'm emailing back and forth. I'm finally, the guy calls me and I'm like, look, I don't know who the normal people you deal with are, but I will walk. If you don't do what you say you're going to do when I come in here, just on principle, I'm out and I like your car, but I'm out. Cause I'm just nuts like that. So I go in there and I told him originally, I'm like, I'm not paying over 30 grand for this car. And anyway, they're like, yeah, 3150 is the best thing that we can do. And I'm like, well, we don't have a deal, man. And so finally the, uh, the guy's like, Oh, I'll get my manager. I'm like, yeah, you need to bring your manager. Cause I told you I wasn't doing this and you assured me that we could make it well, but my manager, I'm like, bring him in here anyway. So brings As we're walking in there, the guy's like, I'm telling you, man, this guy, he's a negotiator, but I like the game. I'm like, okay, you know, they're really going to try to close me on it. And so we're sitting in there in the office and I'm like, look, 30 grand. I said, that was the number. You guys aren't meeting it. I told you that up front. Car's great. I'm ready to make a deal. You guys are messing this up. You know, you got a Land Rover sitting in your infinity dealership and it's going to stay here, you know? (laughs) And they're like, who are you? Like, nobody does this. And like, looking back, you know, I felt good. But then I was also thinking like, they're just playing to my ego, like feeling like I'm getting something, you know? And, uh, and the guy's like, look, it's worth it. Look at the blue book. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't care about your blue book. I'm not paying over 30. And they're like, why, why is that the number? I'm like, it doesn't matter. But I told the wife that I was coming in here and I was getting this car for 30 grand. And you know, I'm not going to go back and tell her. And they're like, oh, I see who wears the pants and the family and all this <laughs> stuff, right? And I, I'm just loving it. I'm like, it's not about that. It's about me <sighs> honoring my word and, and doing what I said I was going to do. And you guys are not going to change that. And they're like, okay, well, the best thing that we can do is 30,500. And I'm like, no deal. We're not doing it. I said 30 grand when I sent you the email, you know, two weeks ago or whenever it was. And they're like, look, that's our final offer. And at this point, I'm like, am I really going to lose the car that I want? That's already a good value for 500 bucks, right? So now they're like, just trying to get something. And I said, look, oil changes on this thing are expensive. How much do y'all charge for an oil change? And they're like, oh, it's like a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, give me five free oil changes. And then I can go in and tell the wife that I get a good value you know that I did what I said, and then you can get a little extra cash, and they're like done, and we shook on it. So <laughs> it was so much fun, man. <laughs> and uh, but I saved a lot of my time through the email and through the phone conversations, and then just sticking to my guns. And then later, the sales guy told me he was like, literally, we made no money on this car. He goes, "Oh, no, that's I got the famous the- words they yeah. always say." But it was after, so I'm like, whatever. Um, he's like, I mean, I got my commission, but I don't think that the that the place made any money. And I'm like, well... They not, they actually have deal. a whole
1: bunch of different spiffs for how many they sell yeah. and all this. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. get extra little things. I actually used to be a car salesman back in the day. Oh, yeah? Believe it or not. Were those, like,
2: greasy-haired used car guys? or
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I greased my hair as much <laughs> as I could. And <laughs> if you were listening to this, I am bald. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing up there. But I, uh, I remember they always wanted us to do the four squares, the four boxes. You, did they do that with you?
2: No, I don't know about the four boxes. Okay,
1: so that I, I, I'm, I might be missing up on one of these, but they would put in one corner your monthly payment. Mm. Another corner, it's your interest rate. Mm-hmm. Another box, they, they will put uh, the terms, like how long right? of, of uh, like seven years or whatever. And then the other box is the cost of the car.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He's like, and and they tell you, they train you on this, you know, I can change any of these, but what really matters is what you pay per month. Right. Mm -hmm. And most people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so they ask you, what are you looking for? And they adjust just the one box but the problem is is they can increase your monthly, they can lower your interest.
2: Right, right. Do
1: whatever you want to get to your box. Yeah. But what they would always train you is is you find out their number, say it's 500. You come mm-hmm. back after you talk to your manager. Yeah. And you say, "Well, I can't do 500. Really looking at like 560 mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is that going to work?" And then if, if you're smart and pay attention, you'll ask, what are all the four boxes? Sure. And that's where you really find out whether or not you're getting the shaft.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing that I would say, too, is that if you come to any negotiation with the money, then you're only negotiating on the product. Right. So with the Land Rover illustration, I had a check from my bank. So in that negotiation, I'm like, I'm showing, <laughs> showing them the check. Like, all I have to do is fill out the number here, guys. You know, this is all on y'all. If you don't make this deal, it's you. It's not like me getting qualified. You're not going to upsell me on some financing deal. Like, this can be done right this second. I'm just waiting, you know, to make sure that this number's right. And so I think that that helps you as opposed to, like, going in there and and end up getting some 17% loan or crazy. But it (laughs) happens, you know? Yeah.
1: But you know the the key is with car dealerships. Once you're in there, you don't leave very easily. Right. And they always said uh, to the salespeople, they were they were like, if they come in here, they cannot leave without either buying a car or talking to the manager. Yeah. If they do, you're getting written up. I mean, oh, they right. were extreme on
0: it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I mean, it's one of those things. I remember one time. I grabbed the person by their arm and I said, I really want you to meet somebody. And I, in my head, I'm like, you coming over here. I'm not getting written <laughs> up, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, now let, let's go back. So we've given a lot of examples on jobs and cars, but there's, there's stuff dealing with everyday business, especially for, sure. for you oh, in marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even if you have kids, you've got to do this constantly do the dishes. Well, I don't want to can I do something else? You can get grounded. How about that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, as the parent, you can you can have the upper hand like that. Yeah,
1: no, I I'm glad that you brought
2: that up because um it's uh it's so true, right? We're in a constant negotiation and I think I mean, you can tell me what you think, but I I'm always thinking what does this person really want? And and then starting there. Right. Like, I don't know if this is like a good, good thing to talk about on the podcast, but, um, like, look, you're married, right? You're a guy and you would like to spend some quality time with your wife. Right. You, (laughs) you just go grab her by the hair and like tell her what's going to happen. Right. Or which is, I guess it's forceful negotiation tactics. Um, you know, or you can think like, what does this person really want? You know, does this person want, uh, you know, a little a little bit of, of romance? Okay, if that's the case, right, what can I give? Can I light a candle at dinner, <laughs> right? Can I go wash the dishes after dinner? Is that going to put my wife in a better mood? And just like understanding what that other person wants. And I think that that's huge.
1: Oh, yeah, right? baby. Do you like them sparkling?
2: Hey, man, I challenge any husband. <laughs> that doesn't normally do the dishes, go wash the dishes and, uh, or whatever, you know, you know, just bust out the vacuum spontaneously or whatever it is and see, see how far that goes. Right. Cause now you're, uh, it's more like a chess game, right? You're kind of like, okay, what do I need to do to get what I want? Right. A negotiation is that even if I'm trying to tell you, Hey, Jesus can save your soul. Like you need to, you need to get on this, this Jesus train here. It's, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that I want, but I need to, I can't just grab someone and like throw them in a baptistry and be like, I baptized him or what? Like it doesn't work like that.
1: Um, I'm going to have to take this link for this video and uh, we're going to have to (laughs) disable it from your Wi-Fi. That way Heather can't see.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, But, but that's the reality. Same, same with the kids. You know, it's like, what is it that they want? And if I ask them to vacuum, if I ask them to wash the dog, you know, what are the things that, that they're wanting? Who is it that they want to be? You know, if you have a kid that really wants to be helpful, you know, but I don't want to wash the dog. Well, man, it would really be helpful if you, if you did this right now, instead of just saying you're washing the dog, it's like, and then I can come tell John, John, Taylor washed the dog yesterday. I mean, go feel his fur, man. She is so helpful right now. I'm planting seeds for the next time (laughs) the dog's all muddy. (laughs) Taylor,
1: can you go wash the dog? Um, always like it best. I want an Xbox. I want whatever. Okay. What do I need done? The car, the bathroom,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but, and, and teaching them that too, I think is, is a good way to, um, You know, I think that these are good things that that children need to be made aware of, Uh, you know, because the last thing that I want, you know, a a fear of mine is like, you know, like I I brought up, um, you know, Jesus. Like I need to be able to negotiate with my kids to believe in God and be planting the seeds to get what I want, which is making sure that they have a relationship with God. And so I need to be thinking about these things where like a lot of it's out of control, out of our own control. Right. I can't I'm like, Oh, I look, I got this check from the bank. It doesn't help with the kids and, <laughs> and that influence. And so I think that, um, but as
1: they get older, it does. Well,
2: <laughs> well, that may be true. Um, but like relationship stuff, you can only buy that for so much before it's just fake. And when it's not authentic, you know, it only lasts for so long. Um, So I think just to plug, um, how to win friends and influence people is a great, um, a great book to read on this. It's not just about negotiating, but it's, you know, just a philosophy of, of understanding about really it's, uh, helping people get what they want. And when you can help people get what they want, then you usually end up getting, getting what you want too. So,
1: so is your foot purple over there, man? It's it's pretty frozen. I mean, you're sitting at 45 minutes now.
2: Yeah, it's cold. Once it gets numb, though, it's, it's pretty good. I'd try to show my foot up here on the video, but then I'd fall
1: over backwards and <laughs> make the YouTube. Go for thing. it. Do it. Go.
2: <laughs> Get stuck on fail army. <laughs> oh,
1: man. All right. Well, let's do this. I know we didn't talk about it beforehand, but the number one best tip for negotiations what is it? Mm, is, like that it. Gonna, is that going to, is that going to work for you? Well, let's see.
0: Okay. Now it's time for our deciding factor. Who's
1: going first? Is it me? Are you going first? You go. Uh, I will go first then. All right. So I think based on the first example that I gave and what I have seen and heard from both us and what we read I think the absolute best thing you can do is ask. Doesn't matter what you're asking for. Even he said in his, uh, Ed said on, on his site mm-hmm. and in his books, aim high. Okay. So you have nothing really to lose. And if you lose it, then it wasn't meant to be is is my theory, right? God God has a plan for you. It obviously wasn't that. And I've had that with a few jobs where I said, you know, hey, I want Mm -hmm, mm
0: $200,000.
1: I didn't have any more of that interview. (laughs) So I overshot. Okay, well, that's that's fine. Yeah, It wasn't meant to be, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Or maybe there was something about that job that I was just like, eh, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't grab my attention. Right, right. I can... If they if they give me this ridiculous amount, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. it's ask, and you have. It's not confrontational, just to say what about or, I really need this, you know. Because worst thing I could say is, oh, I can't give you seventy thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only do sixty eight thousand. Okay. Well, whatever. I mean yeah. you're talking a two two thousand dollar difference. You still have to make the choice. Is that right for you, your family, sure. whatever? Simple. Simple stuff.
2: Yeah, I think that that's uh <clears throat> I think that that's great. And actually that's what I was gonna say, but since you took it, I won't say it. <laughs> um but that was uh back to my eight hundred dollar Acura, that was one of the things that my, my business buddy said. He goes if you don't say a number that you're a little uh, about, like embarrassed to say, he's like, it's not low enough. <laughs> and so I was thinking, oh, I could give this guy 950. And I'm like, but I'm comfortable doing that. Why don't I just say 800? And I was like, you know, with confidence, I'm like, man, most, most I'll give for this 800. Uh, and it like hurt for me to say it, but I asked and I got it. So to your point, I think that that's, that's it. Um, one of the big books that I read was, uh, <clears throat> was by Kurt Mortensen. It's called Maximum Influence. He has a podcast and, um, it's, uh, it was a great book for me. I read it right before one of my interviews and, um, and it was a great book that I would say really helped me gain that confidence. Um, and so he talks about a lot of little details. Like one of the things that can throw people off in a negotiation is even, uh, hair out of place. So like somebody who has like some ear hair or, you know, they miss a spot shaving, it affects your ability to influence them. And he goes into a lot of things, but like even the color shirt you wear, he talks about, Uh, What would be the best color shirt to wear to get the best possible?
1: Does it uh, show like they're not detail oriented enough because they left a patch?
2: It just it's all these subconscious clues, right? Like Hmm. one of the things that you can lose influence in is not having direct eye contact. And he would go into something like, well, if I'm looking behind you in your gut, you're like, why is he looking behind me? Is there a wolf back there? Is there a tiger, or maybe um my face is ugly, and he just doesn't want to actually look at my face, or you know maybe they're just not engaged, and because they're not engaged, maybe they're not a good fit for this or or maybe they don't really love me, right? You're out on a date, not a job interview, and he talks about all these things that the way you know I interpret it, it's like all happening in your gut, you're not really conscientiously thinking about those things. But after the, the interaction, you're kind of like, like you're kind of just this meh, right? Instead of that direct eye contact where you're like, no, this is the number that I need or, oh yeah, you're so beautiful. And I love this meal and everything is just perfect. Instead of like gazing off into the, uh, you know, the abyss. And so anyway, he irons out all of these little details. And so since you took my like number one tip, my number one tip is going to be go read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People and Maximize Your Influence from Kurt Mortensen and go to your next negotiation. I told people after reading this Maximum Influence that that book over the span of five years made me over $60,000 because of how I went into two job interviews and negotiated my salary and my position. And that's very real to me, so thank you, Kurt. And, uh, <laughs> because, you know, paying the five bucks or the 10 bucks, it's an audiobook too. Um, we'll certainly reap the rewards if you're willing to ask and you're willing to, you know, shave your ear hair and, you know, get everything <laughs> set up right and follow, follow his guide. It can be, it can be huge. So,
1: you know, there was a book I read back in the day for relationships that was, uh, what was it called? It was, where Who Would I Be Without My Story? Did you ever mm. read that one?
2: No, but I like the title.
1: Man, it is a great book, especially for relationships. If you are um, fighting or have some issues you need to work out, mm-hmm. it it basically teaches you stop making up these scenarios in your head that the other person might be going through or, oh, or, yeah. or their, uh, their side of the story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think it could actually apply in the negotiation is stop making all these stories up like what if, what if, what if and cause you to hesitate. Mm. Stick to your steps.
2: Interesting.
1: You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I like it. I like it. I mean, and that's certainly... Uh,
1: Now, this guy does talk about focus on their pressures Mm -hmm. and not your pressures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe hand in hand?
2: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, this has been a good... A good topic, John. I think, uh, I think if people, um, it's just so easy and it's like you have to do it, you know, and, uh, so why not be good at it? And I think that these are, again, one of these things that when I brought up the topic, John, it's like no one's teaching a negotiation class in school. And I mean, I'm living proof that just a little bit of negotiation training can yield so much fruit. So, I mean, honestly, if all it took was to read a couple of books and you can totally transform your your income um, or your profits, it's uh, it's totally worthwhile. And so I hope that people listening will really think into that and, uh, you know, tune it up. And now I'm thinking it's probably been a decade since I've read this Maximize Your Influence book. And Time you know, to read again? I know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm all fired <laughs> up. Like, ah, I need to sharpen, nice. sharpen my, my skill set.
1: Well, guys, we've got several guests coming up., uh, we've got some weird stories or topics that you probably will not hear on most other podcasts or even the news, right? Yeah, well, so we'll <laughs> we'll see about those. Uh, but we got more coming for you. Appreciate everything. We love that you're listening. Please like, subscribe, share, and comment we We love everything we can get, bad or good. We, we had that one comment, man. He, uh, he, he made a comment about us, and I just said, hey, I'll take the bet. I don't care, and uh, it's good. Good times. But uh, say bye. Adios.
0: This has been another episode of The Deciding Factor, giving you food for thought on real-life issues. Be sure to click, like, and subscribe to this podcast as well as all your big social media outlets, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't forget to check out our website at thedecidingfactorpodcast.com and give us comments and feedback. Until next time, stay safe and remember to keep an open mind.